Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome, one and all, to Big News Wednesday. Yes, it is Big News Wednesday. It's also Big Valentine's Day. So uh, happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there, particularly my two Valentines, my wife and my little daughter who just turned six months old. And also to my guest on today's show, Sharon Reed, returning once again. Sharon, how's it going? Well, it's going okay. No Valentine for about the fifth year in a row, but it's okay. I feel great. You, we, we all have each other. That's what That's we right. have. Um, and in addition to that, we have a ton of news. So I'm gonna get your mind off of all that. We're gonna be talking about elections. We're gonna be talking about elections that are done, elections that are coming up. That one being Lauren Boebert's. And I love every one of these updates because she is continuing to just sink into inevitable irrelevance. So how fun is that? We've got some pressure being put on Jared Kushner. That's gonna be a lot of fun. And we wanted to get to the story yesterday, didn't quite do it. Actual consequences for social media racism. You don't often see it. That's all in the first hour. Coming up in the aftermath, we will be talking about Valentine's Day. In particular, how the main men running for president these days are spending their Valentine's Day and how they're roping in their wives. Marjorie Green losing her mind about curb your enthusiasm of all things. And a really fascinating look into the state of the presidential campaign of RFK Jr. In particular, the way money is being spent. It paints a picture of absolute chaos. So we're gonna get to that a little bit later on. Before we get to our regular rundown though, I do want to acknowledge what I, I think everyone on the internet sent me about, which was that in the last day, William Bill Post, inventor of Pop-Tarts, passed away at 96. Everybody knows how much I appreciate a good Pop-Tart. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay because he made it to 96 and that's pretty great. It's still a loss, you know, for his, you know, surviving, I'm gonna say kids, grandkids, and great grandkids. But if you if you get to 96, that's pretty good. I'll take that bargain. Unfortunately, I'm not gonna make it in no small part thanks to William Bill Post for his invention of the Pop-Tart, which is rapidly draining my vitality with every bite. But it's delicious, so thank you, Bill. Appreciate you for putting that out into the world. In any event, we have other news that we're gonna get to, so I need you all to buckle up. And if you're on a platform where you can hit the like button, that sort of thing, now would be a great time to do that as we launch into the big news of last night. Let's send a message to our friends running the Congress these days. Stop running around for Trump and start running the country. The people are watching. They want us to start working together. So our message is very clear. Either get on board or get out of the way. That is once and now future Representative Tom Swosey's victory speech because he did win the special election for the New York 3rd District, formerly George Santos's district. He won. 
Great news for the Democrats. They've been doing very well the last few years in special elections, particularly in New York. But this one was very much in question for a couple of reasons that are fascinating that we're gonna jump into. But first, the results, it ended up being kind of close, not super close necessarily. That's about finalized results. It's still 7% of the vote or whatever to be counted. But he beat Mazi Pillup, the former Democrat, now kind of Republican, I guess, who was running against him. Um, and we'll get into some of the issue specific stuff that made this race so fascinating. But I want to pause for just a second because I want you to look at those results again. So, and I want you to remember when you look at those that George Santos won that same seat by about eight points less than a year and a half ago. And now the Democrat is set to win it by like seven points. That is a 15 point swing in a year and a half with Biden in charge, by the way, and with economic and border chaos going and all those things that are a real concern for a lot of races. But here, it didn't really seem to be enough to get the Republican across the line. And look, there's a lot of interesting wrinkles to this race. The fact that it had been George Santos is certainly a thing, but the Republicans felt like they could win this. They felt like they got rid of Santos and now they could center the race around what they wanted to be focused on, these core issues, with this being kind of a test case for what they're gonna do with the general election of Trump versus Joe Biden. So they focused on immigration and also the issue with the invasion of Gaza by Israel. That became a big topic in this particular district. It's one of the most Jewish districts in America. So you can understand why that would be front of mind. Tom Suozzi talked about those things. He talked about crime and immigration and all that, but he also brought up abortion. So bear that in mind because these races, they might seem minor. You might think, well, what do I care what happens in you know the third district of New York? But control of Congress is a very narrowly held thing at this point. And the Democratic efforts to retake it in November could end up hinging on a single race. So any race, including this, could be very significant. We have more on this, but Sharon, what do you think so far? I think it's a it's a good showing. I love to be cynical. I love to be a Debbie Downer, but I think this is a, a good showing, particularly when you talk about the makeup of that district and the eight point win and all of that. And it could be a litmus test for, for more to come in other races. Um, it's just so weird that we won't have George Santos anymore. Now he's really gone. Like this for me really <laughs> put a punctuation mark at the end of it. But I think this shows some momentum for Democrats because you know, this president's not so popular when it comes to with certain segment of the population when it comes to his stance on Gaza and everything going on there. Um, so that we'll, we'll have to watch for that because as you mentioned, the makeup of this district is what it is. But I, I think there's some positive signs here if you don't want Donald Trump and other of his minions to make it across the finish line. Yeah, I uh, I think Democrats are going to be analyzing this and seeing what lessons they could learn. I worry a little bit about some of those potential lessons and how they might be applied around the country because Swozy's not like a progressive or anything. Let's be very clear about that. And he felt like he needed to take this really hard line, like matching Pillup on issues like crime and migration and support for Israel and all that. They weren't identical on those topics, but that's that's the ground that the battle was fought on and not really representing like the two poles of American politics on those topics. So we'll see if that is a lesson that is disseminated to Democrats running in other races. Maybe it'll be 
useful in some. We'll see, we'll see. But um, but it's definitely a race that Republicans were hoping that they could win. And I want to turn now to some of the reactions outside of just our reactions to this loss. Following the fact that the George Santos congressional seat went to the Democrats this time around, the leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, had this to say. Republicans just don't learn, but maybe she was still a Democrat. With Philip having been formerly a Democrat, I don't see how that helps them. But I have an almost 99% endorsement success rate in primaries and a very good number in the general elections. How come you're not actually listing that one, Trump? As well, but have watched this very foolish woman running in a race where she didn't endorse me and tried to straddle the fence when she would have easily won if she understood anything about modern day politics in America. Blah, 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 blah. I stayed out of the race. I want to be loved. Give us a real candidate in the district for November. Swozy, I know him well, can be easily beaten. Now, I know what you're all thinking. What's with the I want to be loved? I guess maybe he's trying to imply if you want me in the race, you gotta love me, baby, for me to give you the Okay, I guess. But you do know she was beaten by the Democrat, right? So your theory that if she had just been a more deranged red cap wearer, she would have won. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. And I would say that on the topics that you seem to care about, you know, especially migration, crime, those sorts of things, Israel Gaza, like she wasn't like a centrist on those topics. She did like a, a press conference out of a outside of a migrant shelter, and she was like vicious in the way that she talked about Gaza. So I don't know what more he wanted out of her, except that of course it's nothing that he wants. It's not a policy thing. If she'd won, he would claim her. She lost, so she was the devil, and he needs to distance himself. It's all opportunistic. Sharon, what do you think? I agree with you 100 percent. I'm not sure she he knows who the gentleman or the lady in the race even are. Okay. I do think he authored some of that, said some of that only because mm. of the love part, just because he wants <laughs> to be loved. But probably Bannon did the rest there. Okay. This is um well, it's right on right on message for Donald mm -hmm. Trump. And I think that she kisses the ring and maybe it would have been a 10-point loss or 12, 15, maybe. Maybe 15. Yeah, it's kind of like a split district. Like, <laughs> I just, it's such a stupid strategy. And I'll remind you when he has to, like, he has to try to, like, he is the kingmaker. He does get to choose in a lot of these cases who runs, but he needs to pretend that that is to the benefit of the party. And look, I want him to keep choosing candidates because they often lose in races in which a more reasonable Republican could have won. So, you know, don't change anything. But, it just seems weird. Like, are they buying this? I was just remembering earlier today. I saw a tweet that referenced they they put Herschel Walker up for a Senate seat and Dr. Oz. Those could be just two not like especially memorable, but still pretty awful Republican senators. They totally could have won, but instead they followed Donald Trump, and so. Uh, they lost, and so God only knows who he would have endorsed for this race. But I agree, it would have been a much bigger swing for the Democrats. 
Anyway, uh, that's what Donald Trump thinks. But what about the guy who used to hold this seat? George Santos is tweeting about it. He says, please thank these two gems for losing a seat in the house today. I honestly, I don't even, I don't even know who those people are. He's got like these petty feuds with people who he thinks are responsible for him being thrown out or whatever. When, of course, all of the responsibility for that should should fall on his lap. He's the one that told massive, ridiculous lies about his past. But anyway, he says, I won the third district with zero super PAC money, zero CLF money, and zero establishment money. Tonight, the establishment sent set $10 million on fire. I flipped a 23 year blue seat with the help of grassroots activists and by activating the base with retail politics and with my heat vision and ability to fly. That's how I did it. Well, anyway, look, he's not 100% wrong. He did win that race. I don't know. I, I don't know how much I trust his read on what exactly led to that. And he obviously did not have a lot of confidence in his ability or his actual history, which is why he invented a whole new one. But but does he get to gloat in this case, Sharon? Like they threw him out. Now there's a Democrat that's going to take the seat, at least until November. You know, the Republicans are saying, well, now the whole George Santos thing is in our rearview mirror. Now we can just choose a regular candidate and it will no longer be a referendum on George Santos. Do you think that there's something to that or does he deserve to gloat in this case? I don't know that it even was a referendum on George Santos. He's doing just fine on Cameo, 350 a pop if you want to book him on this Valentine's Day. Um, I think that he can gloat because it's the American way and that's what he wants to do. And he's not going anywhere. He's gonna launch his second act off of this whole whole thing where they booted him out. Happened to better people according to him who don't know. Uh, but I think he has a right to entertain those who think it's entertaining and say whatever he wants. He They lost the seat. That that part's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I want to end with one one little element of this that I think is great. We don't know for sure exactly what was on all of the voters' minds in this particular case, but there's some indication that what was swaying some voters in this third district race is exactly what the Republicans would prefer them not to be thinking about. Take a look at this. I talked to two voters today who voted for Donald Trump in 2016, turned around and voted for the Democrats in this race, voted for Tom Suozzi because they said his message on bipartisanship and the fact that House Republicans have really struggled to pass legislation over the last couple of weeks impacted the way they were looking at this race. I heard from voters and several of them said to me that they don't want to vote for the Republican because it's clearly impossible to get a solution on the issue of immigration. And that the fact that Republicans killed that bipartisan deal put them over the edge to vote for Tom Suozzi and immigration was their top issue. So look, I don't know how much we can trust. It is anecdotal evidence. Maybe there will be more of a dig into I don't know, exit poll data or whatever. We never know in these cases, but shouldn't that be the case? Like it kind of feels right. So, you know, when it feels right, maybe push back a little bit, but let's analyze this because you had a race that was focused on exactly the issues the right wanted to be focused on. People were talking about crime constantly. They were talking about the border constantly. That's what Republicans want them to be focused on. And what did the Republicans do in the weeks leading up to that election? 
nothing, not just nothing, worse than nothing. They directly stopped a solution from being passed to the exact issues that they were saying voters should have front of mind. So if the voters did have that front of mind and take it as seriously as the Republicans say that they should, and then they see the Republicans just being like, yeah, but we don't want to do anything because Trump said not to. That that's the sort of thing that should turn voters. And I almost like I don't I don't want to get too into this. I don't want to get too much hope that maybe people are paying attention. Maybe they see through the political posturing in the games. But this is a race that Republicans thought they could win leading up to it. Analysts were saying it was basically 50-50. So this makes as much sense as anything else that I've seen, Sharon. What do you think? I'm jumping in with both feet. Like I'm stomping grapes, making wine. I think that people are slightly awake here. I do think that people are waking up because remember, they also tried the switcheroo, John, where they blame the Democrats for not getting the border bill, Ukraine aid, Israel aid across the finish line because they wanted you know more. They even lied about it. You pointed that out on the show, I believe, last Wednesday again. So I think people are smart enough to say, you know what, we we're used to some tomfoolery, but these shenanigans are just you're doing too much, doing too much. Okay, my yeah. daughter said stop saying that, but I still <laughs> find it to be relevant. I don't know what the next <laughs> saying is, but they're doing too much, and people noticed. Yeah, I hope so. I, I just we have like constant access to a full feed of news about what they're doing, what they're saying. So much is leaked, so much is revealed. Like people should be learning from this, and I just want to believe that they can, and maybe this is evidence of that. Okay, with that said, we're gonna take a short break. We come back, there is another upcoming election that we have to touch base with. We'll have Lauren Boebert's political status after this. Okay, everyone. I'm I I'm trying to figure out right now. No, I did not come up with. Oh no, I'm wrong. During the social break, I was remembering a thing that Herschel Walker had said, and I got it wrong. He said vampires are some cool people, <laughs> but he'd rather be a werewolf anyway. That's what the guy who was almost a senator said. Anyway, with that, let's turn from people who were almost laughing stocks as elected officials to those who are currently laughing stocks as elected officials with this next segment. Lauren Boebert has had another horrible debate performance as well as a horrible polling performance in her effort to stay in Congress by jumping ship to a district where she thought the grass would be greener. At this debate, she was mostly ignored by the other candidates on the stage, which is honestly way worse than her being constantly attacked. She almost didn't merit conversation, which is just brutal. She was attacked once, but only by the one candidate in the race who's performing worse than her in the race. And we're gonna get to that attack because it's, I think, very fair and accurate and also brutal to Lauren Boebert. So that'll be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. But first. Let's see how she's actually doing. So despite the fact that they're not attacking her, they're not really trying to drive her numbers down. She placed third in the most recent straw poll after the debate. And that may sound not that bad. Third, you know, that's top three. It's out of four. She got three out of four. So um, the lead candidate got 41% of the vote. This candidate Harvey came in second with 28%. She had 12 percent of the vote. This one guy got 6%. That's it. She's at 12%. 
She has been a congresswoman for a few for four years. She has been a public figure, a national figure. And all of that is supposed to get people to know who you are, what you stand for, and that's supposed to help you. Unless what you are and what you stand for is a massive embarrassment, in which case maybe you should have kept quiet a little bit and you might have been safer in your reelection bid. But in any event, I did say that she was attacked once by one of the candidates. This is Chris Fellin, the guy who got, I think in this case, even less than the 6% of the vote. But anyway, he talked about how as a congresswoman, she doesn't really have any policy successes to run on. He talked about the, he questioned the impact of the Pueblo Jobs Act. She often talks about this as being like a great success for bringing jobs or whatever. So he said about her, are you sick and tired of people that are coming to Congress just to get more social media hits, likes, whatever they're doing, I am. And that's what I think that someone up on this stage is doing. Now to be fair, that could have been in reference to any of the candidates on the stage. <laughs> but I think it might have been Bobert actually. And I think that's totally fair. What has Bobert done? Like she tries to have her little quippy moments. She tried to have this viral moment talking about, about public urination in DC. And she just came out of it looking like an absolute moron. And most Republicans appear to be fine with that being the sum total of what you do, as long as you make good on those. But she's not even good at delivering those moments. And so now she's like tripping over herself to pretend that she's accomplishing something. Here's the most recent example. Just now, we impeached Secretary Mayorkas, who's endangered our country by deliberately handing over control of our southern border to the cartel. Now that's delivering for the American people, and I'm proud to be a part of it. She's very proud and you can tell cuz she's pronouncing it like this. I'm not terrified of what the future holds or anything. I did this sham vote that won't change anything cuz he's not going to be convicted in the Senate. This is this is what they did to pretend that they're doing something on the border. They actually impeached Alejandro Mayorkas first time in 150 years based off of nothing. Even right-wing pundits like Ben Shapiro are like there's nothing to impeach him over. And yet that's what she's going to run on. Weird that she's not doing better in the in these straw polls. What do you think, Sharon? My glasses are still broken because I could have sworn this was like a daily show clip that you were playing. You know, now that Jon Stewart's back, she really just is has lost her way. Okay. She's in a new place. She doesn't understand where she is or what the objective is at all. By the way, the public urination, was that before or after the vaping and canoodling in the theater that she <laughs> got wrapped up in? I mean, it's just a mess. And at a certain point, I do think that the criticism of, you know, that candidate who came in four out of four, right? Wasn't that four right out of four? I I think he could be on to something because Figure out who you are and what you want in life and then go for it without apology. She doesn't have to stay in Washington and perhaps she won't. If mm-hmm. you want likes, if you want, join Santos on Cameo, head to Instagram. Perhaps she'll want TikTok. Perhaps she'll want to, you know, better her performance there. But I think that's a strong point when you play an example like the one you just played. And I haven't even touched the what you called correctly, the sham impeachment vote. Uh, about the border in Mayorkas, it's people yeah. aren't really falling for this anymore. She should go. Yeah, look, she 
look, she has a position that pays pretty well that doesn't require any actual work. So I understand why she wouldn't want to have to go back to trying to start up another restaurant that she can give people like um, a persistent diarrhea from. Uh, this is easier. I get that. And she 100% thought, I'm just going to go over there, man. I'm Lauren yeah. Bober. I don't need to do anything. I'm famous. But you don't have it. You don't have it on policy, and you don't. You don't fundamentally deliver, even in the way that like a dimwit like Marjorie Green does. She oh. says the stupid, crazy stuff that they want to hear. Lord Bobert isn't even as good at that. So like, she's also probably worried she can't. I don't think she can just start like a right wing podcast or something. I don't think that she's interesting enough, and so she is definitely afraid of what's to come in not too much longer. And I would be if I were her. In any event, I want to turn to those who are gaining positions of power perhaps soon. Let's turn now to talking about Laura Trump, starting with this. Your, your father-in-law has endorsed you to be a co-chair of the committee. We have big problems with fundraising, big problems with, I think, adapting to how I think the other side you know, is intentionally now making elections less secure for their own benefit. But the problem is, is that if if you don't join them in in, in this sham they're trying to to pull on us, we can't win. That is uh, Laura Trump being interviewed after it's been revealed over the past few days that Donald Trump is pushing hard for her to be uh, one of the co-chairs of the RNC, an incredibly powerful position in terms of setting priorities and strategy for the Republicans, as well as managing their fundraising and what they do with the money. So it's not hard to imagine why Donald Trump wants Laura Trump in power. She has qualifications, and that qualification is that she's married to Eric Trump. But you know, she's gonna make the case for herself. So let's listen to that case and see what we think. The Democrats have been playing a completely different game. We need to catch up and we need to outdo them at that game. We better have at the Republican National Committee a ground game operation the likes of which this country has never seen. We better be doing voter registration in record numbers. We also better be doing legal ballot harvesting all across this country because those are things the Democrats always outdo us on. And let's face it, Rob, we better start telling people to go vote early. We have this notion that it would be nice if we had one day of voting. I would love that, you yeah. would probably love that. We'd love to give people the day off of work and we'd love to have paper ballots. We don't have it right now. So we need to bank enough votes going game. into election day that we aren't trying to play catch up that day. Every single penny will go to the number one and the only job of the RNC. That is electing Donald J. Trump as President of the United States and saving this country. Okay, so there's a lot there that we're gonna get to. Let's focus just briefly on that last bit, which is every penny is gonna go to getting Donald Trump elected, which means that if Donald Trump doesn't get elected or if he ends up being, you know, like thrown in jail during this time, it's going to be wasted money, money that could be spent on them keeping control of the House, gaining control of the Senate, winning some state legislatures. But again, Trump doesn't care about that. And so she, since she's just one of his goons now, doesn't care either. All of this, all of this infrastructure, party apparatus, money is just for this guy. But I will throw out here, and Sharon, I want your thoughts about this. He could just spend his own money. He's a literal billionaire. Like they're talking, like we we don't do the fundraising, we don't have enough money. 
He could spend a billion dollars and still have a billion dollars. Why doesn't he just do that if he cares so much about this country and about this party? Why are you going to take all these poor conservatives money that the other candidates desperately need and just throw it into a hole so that he can have a big bank account on the other side of it? I don't understand it, but what do you think? I don't understand it either, but what is uh, I'm not a billionaire for 500. Um, he just, listen, she is saying the quiet part. She's screaming it, frankly, because we could just listen to Trump and now we know what this is all about. But I would say that he's not gonna pay for anything himself, even his own dinner at Mar-a-Lago, because that's just not how it works. <laughs> and even though every penny is gonna go to him, to get elected, I think is what she said. What about keeping him out of jail? Because he can't, <laughs> I mean, he can't do the job from jail. But I think if you really kind of look under the hood, she she didn't say it couldn't happen, that they weren't gonna yeah. continue to spend money on keeping him out of prison. I just think, look, the, the money is one thing. Almost everything else that Laura Trump said there, is reasonable in terms of what she wants the RNC to focus on. Hey, we should register voters. We should knock on doors. We should, hey, we should get paper ballots or whatever, a paper trail. Okay, that seems like a good thing. People should have the day off to vote. Hey, that's a great idea. Maybe any Republican ever should advocate for that. Like literally even one. See, she says that and it sounds reasonable because it is reasonable. They would never go for that because they don't want people to be able to vote. We should do ballot harvesting, which means just helping get people's ballots to be counted. We should do early voting. Every bit of that is reasonable. But she had to pitch it as we need to do all these things because that's the scam that the Democrats are running. So I guess we have to do the same thing. That's just that's just an election. That's just what you do. Why do you have to approach it as a conspiracy? And honestly, like she should push for that. But Donald Trump is almost certainly going to push back. He's been against all of those things in the past. He tweeted back in 2020, get rid of ballot harvesting, it's rampant with fraud. So I guess Laura Trump is a fraud. He also blamed early voting for trouble in the 2020 election. Remember, he also just told people in the Georgia runoff Senate races to not vote at all. So now he's saying that early voting is a good thing. Like, just tell your voters to run or to vote. Give them something to vote for, make it easy for them to vote, tell them to vote, and hey, maybe you can win some races. All of this is just what a democracy is. For them, it's all so tied up in so many conspiracy theories at the same time. Any final thoughts? No, he also took away all those mailboxes. Remember the ballot boxes that he said, you know, those have got to go, and the state officials sided with him. Everything she listed, he's come out against. You're right. Yep. And now suddenly we've got to catch up with this sham that the Democrats are doing. You mean including more people, letting one yeah. person, one vote rule the day, that that thing? Yeah, that's pretty much what they're saying. I mean, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's a good choice. Maybe maybe the fact that she's advocating for these things that should be common sense, but are not. But she's doing it while being a Trump will allow it to be palatable to Donald Trump and to the MAGA movement who's been poisoned against these things. Maybe she's actually the perfect choice to head up that group. Or maybe she is in no way qualified to be in charge of an organization like that or in charge of money like that. And it's gonna be an absolute debacle for the Republicans. And wouldn't that just be a shame in this election? 
Anyway, with that said, we want to turn from um, one member of the Trump party who's getting political power purely because they're a part of the Trump family to another member of the Trump family who had political power only because they're part of his family. Let's turn to Jared Kushner. One of the knocks about this was you you leave public service, you, you spend all this time, particularly with Saudi Arabia, working with them. You leave a couple months later, six months later, you get $2 billion and that there's a quid pro quo on this. Leaving aside, I know, I know that you followed the law and you've said you followed the law. From an optics perspective or even an ethics perspective, were you at the time concerned about taking money from PIF? And if you could do it again, would you have done it at all differently? Yeah, so uh, PIF is one of the most prestigious investors in the world. Every fund manager is trying to work with them. Uh, if you look at right now at the time, uh, you know, maybe going to the Middle East as an investor was less popular. Uh, three years ago. Now it's one of the hottest places in the world where everyone's trying to raise money from. And if you ask me about the work that we did in the White House, uh, for my critics, what I say is point to a single decision we made that wasn't in the interests of America, number one. Number two, I say our track record of success in the Middle East is probably second to none. So that is Jared Kushner being interviewed by Axios. And he has talked about what many have identified as what one thing that could be one of the most corrupt acts from a former member of the Trump administration, which is leaving the White House and then getting literally billions of dollars from the sovereign wealth fund of that country. It's incredibly questionable. There's some aspects of it that are even more questionable than that they'll go into detail in, in this interview. We're gonna get to that in a second. But I want you to see how, with even kind of mild pushback and criticism, how frustrated Jared Kushner gets. Lots and lots of private equity firms, other folks are, are trying to raise money from Saudi Arabia and, and are raising money from Saudi Arabia. Some, however, stopped after the Jamal Khashoggi murder. Some, some either gave money back or stopped. At the time, you didn't really, you said you wanted to wait for the DNI report, for, for the kind of official report, for the State Department report before talking about it. You kind of only give uh, very glancing mentions in your book to it. The DNI report came out a couple weeks after you left the White House. It says that MBS personally was responsible. Do you agree with the DNI? Do you or do you believe that report? Are we really still doing this, Dan? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, so let, let's go to this. Um, the way that we looked at our policy at the time was let's focus on what's in the interest. No, of no, America. I'm not. I'm not arguing that. I, but, but that you at the time you said you wanted to wait and see what the kind of what the U.S. government determined. The U.S. government's made a determination. You're obviously still in business with him. Do you do you believe the U.S. government? Assessment. You might not. And but do you believe? So, so let me say this: I have not seen the DNI report that the Biden administration put out there, right? And number two is, look, I know the person who I dealt with. I think he's a visionary leader. I think what he's done in that region is transformational. The person who deserves credit for that is Mohammed bin Salman, who at that time was the deputy crown prince. And I think what he's done has been absolutely historic for the country. I think he's done a lot of things that are in America's interest, and I think he's done a lot of things that have made the world a better place. That is. Amazing in so many ways. Jared Kushner, there, a guy who, if he hadn't just been handed wealth by his own family, would be no one. If he hadn't then been handed political power by Trump and his family, he would be absolutely no one. Instead, he's in a position to get literally $2 billion from the Saudis. And look at how annoyed he gets when you bring up that he's making money by working with a butcher, someone he knows butchered a journalist. MBS decided I want that man dead. So they took him, they killed him, they cut him up. They did that. That's a thing that they did. Jared Kushner knows that they did that. Come on, like you're gonna bring this up to me. 
are we still doing this? I'm trying to make money. I don't care if the guy I'm working with cut a human being into pieces. I don't care if that's what he does to his critics. I don't care if he kills opposition political figures. I don't care if he locks up and kills members of his own family. I'm trying to make money here. Why are you acting as if human life has value? I don't care about that. I care about what's in my bank account. That's what I care about. And this guy from Axios is pretending like I should care about whether my business partner is a brutal murderer and dictator. Ugh, it's so impolite. And I didn't think that that was the part of the story that was gonna bother me the most. I thought the part of the story that was gonna bother me the most was the fact that while that Axios guy did a good job in asking follow-up questions, he didn't ask like the most important question, which is it isn't just that you left the White House after working with Saudi Arabia and then got this investment. It's that they didn't want to give you this investment because you're not qualified to do it, to, to manage that. And the leadership of Saudi Arabia had to step in and make it happen. So the advisors to the wealth fund initially objected to Kushner getting that money saying that they're inexperienced, they can't handle the investment or the risk, they're unsatisfactory in all aspects. It's excessive to do that, the fees that they're going to be taking are excessive and it might hurt us from PR with the fact that this looks incredibly corrupt. All of that is true. He in no way deserved that investment. According to him, everyone around the world is trying to work with this company or with this, the, the managers of the Sovereign Wealth Fund. And yet they went with him, despite the fact that he and his firm weren't qualified. And they did it for the reasons that are truly making him uncomfortable, which is that it's just corruption. It's because of his father, it's because of the influence he had, but much more importantly, for the influence they think he will have going forward. It's an investment in the second term of Donald Trump. That's what it is, and that's why he's so uncomfortable. Not just because he's palling around and having dinner with a guy who sometimes butchers journalists. What do you think, Sharon? Only the best people, remember that, Jared Kushner, not a self-made man. And you're right, gifted all this, and, and frankly, Towards the end there in that second clip, it felt like he's looking for another billion or two because that's how much you know what he was kissing of MBS. And let's not forget the intelligence. Remember Turkey had that intelligence of what went down in that room mm -hmm. as, as this man was cut up, still alive, put earphones in, okay, this is gonna get messy. We, we heard all of that and yet this morally corrupt person is sitting there like, how dare you question me? How dare you really question that I'm not the best at this? After all, he did solve, you know, he brought peace <laughs> to the Middle East, didn't he? Isn't that yeah, what I we think were promised? So. Yeah. So. And now look, well, we'll see. We'll see what he brings to the table in the future. But you're absolutely right. He was squirming because how dare you question me? He's lived his whole life in this vacuum and a shadow. He's not ever going to be this dominant person that perhaps his father had been or influence like his father had been. It's a lie that we all see, we all see it. And that's what made him yeah. so uncomfortable about this questioning. Be damned the man who was cut up and, and murdered alive like that. He was just cut up like that. 100%, just this, this avatar of propped up, wow. unearned wealth and influence and entitlement underlying it. Because and the entitlement is fueled by the fact that he knows he doesn't deserve any of this. That if he deserves anything, it's far tougher questions even than were uh, provided mm -hmm. by Axios. Anyway, with that said, we're gonna take our second hour, or second hour, take our second break of the hour, but don't worry, more coming up after this.
Okay, everyone, buckle up because we've got uh, it's a serious story. There's some comic elements to it, but let's get into it. Before we go to more of that video and explain what set it off, why the cop springs into action and begins unloading his weapon on his own car, we want to tell you a little bit about the details, including the amazing fact that the man that was in that car was not killed, was not injured. That is the good news from this story. In fact, nobody was killed, nobody was injured. And you might wonder, well, how that is. The guy in the video, the cop yells, I've been hit. The thing is, he hadn't actually been hit. And we're going to go into all the details of that. First, we want to show you some of those involved in the story. You can see in the photos right here. This story traces back to November of last year in Okaloosa County, Florida. And the officer that you saw in the video, Jesse Hernandez, and his partner, Beth Roberts, had a man named Marky Jackson handcuffed in the back of the squad car that was visible in that video. An acorn apparently fell from a tree, hit the car. So such a small thing that honestly, the first few times that I listened to the video, I didn't even hear it. That is what Hernandez apparently thought was the report of a weapon. He thought that Jackson inside of the car had begun firing at him. And not only did he think that a gun had been fired, he thought that he had been hit by a bullet after the acorn hit the car. So you see him diving away, turning and unloading his service weapon on the car. Now, that's his involvement. Well, his partner gets involved, as you'll see in this video. Do you know your tag number off the top of your head? Okay, it's okay. That is, of course, the body cam footage from Beth Roberts, who hears the gunfire from her partner at the car and believes this thing is going down and begins also unloading her weapon on the car, which again has a single man who has already been detained by the police, is unarmed and restrained in that vehicle. And again, thankfully, he was not actually hit. Now, there are consequences, thankfully, for some of the police involved in this, and we will get to those. But first, I do want to talk about the actual victim here. So, Marky Jackson posted about this experience. We want to read some excerpts from that for you. He says, I was searched multiple times, then unlawfully handcuffed and placed into the backseat of the cop car while being strapped down by the seatbelts. A few moments later, I hear an officer scream, I'm hit, he's armed. As soon as that was announced, multiple shots were fired at me while I was stuck in the back seat. All I could do was lean over and play dead to prevent getting shot in the head. Goes on to say, I was blessed not to get hit by any bullets or get hit physically, but mentally, I'm not okay. I haven't been the same since, and I don't think this feeling I have will ever change. I truly believe I'm damaged for life. 
I eventually found a way to rest my cuffed hands on the shattered window area to show that I wasn't armed. A few minutes later, they swarmed the car and slammed me on the ground to search me and look for any injuries. No gun was recovered from Marky Jackson because Jackson did not have a gun. Jackson had, as we said, already been searched and was restrained in the vehicle before being shot at. Now, as we said, there were consequences. Uh, investigators concluded that Hernandez's use of force was not justified in this case because the only external stimulus he had was the sound of an acorn, which is just one of those sentences that it's gonna stick with me for a while, I don't know about you. However, his partner was exonerated. So uh, Beth uh, Roberts in that case was exonerated for her actions. In a statement on Hernandez's resignation, because Hernandez uh, did resign, Sheriff Aiden defended Hernandez as genuinely fearing for his life again over the sound of an acorn. They were cleared of criminal wrongdoing. Uh, Sergeant Roberts apparently is still with the force. And I think that we can differentiate their responses. It still seems a little bit irresponsible to see your partner shooting at a vehicle and just begin unloading on it. But that said, she didn't know that the acorn was the only thing that led to it. She is she trusts her partner, she believes her partner when he says that the sound of an acorn falling from a tree was him literally being shot by someone they had already searched. And so I have less of a problem with what she did, but Sharon, I do want your thoughts on this. This is stunning and and thank goodness that this man who was cuffed and in the police car in a seatbelt, which are incredible details that have to be stated again and again, is alive. Thank goodness he's alive. Because I saw various things as this thing will be investigated. Number one would be incompetence. I, this chief has got to go too, by the way, if that's the statement you're going to give that genuinely feared for their life. Well, then he shouldn't be a police officer if we're going to start now. Fearing acorns, okay? They should not be any kind of officer encountering the public. A failure to follow perhaps training protocols. And I too have a problem with her just shooting blindly based. I'd like to know what made her trust this partner so much. But sure, they're different and should face different consequences. Lack of common sense. Have we mentioned how nutty this is? And I didn't even mean for that to, to I didn't mean for it to come out that way, but this is not. And the final thing I would say, thank goodness, a bad shot, a mm -hmm. bad shot, not even a moving target. And if you really had a threat to society, you're also a bad shot. This yeah. is an incredible Thankfully. comedy of errors that accidentally threaded a needle and worked out to the benefit of human life. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, I, of all of the sort of cartoon elements of this, the fact That's that right. thankfully they're both basically stormtroopers when it comes to shooting at someone who literally could not move, was just restrained in the vehicle. That is the good news here. Um, the fact that there could be people beyond the car that could be hit by by this fire. It's just there's a lot of dark aspects of this, and I and I just think about the experience that Marky Jackson had, hearing I'm hit, he's armed, and you're thinking. Oh my God, I'm about to be executed. This is madness. And you hear the shots ring out and thankfully you survive it. But I totally buy that that would traumatize you for the rest of your life. In any event, um, I don't think we're gonna have time to fit in our, our final story, but we'll, we'll keep it around for possible uh, aftermath. And we will be tracking the story. I mean, I think a lot of people are gonna want to see in the end what ends up happening because as you pointed out, it is nutty. So 
We'll talk about that in any event. For all of you who've been listening on the podcast, thank you as always. I came to TYT via podcast, so I always have a lot of love in my heart for people who listen as a podcast. You can't like the video or anything, but you know what you can do if you appreciate the podcast, if you subscribe to the podcast, you can rate and review us on the platform of your choosing for podcasts. And for the rest of you who might be watching live on YouTube or Twitch or on the website on the members app, we've got a lot more to talk about in the aftermath. Including, let's see, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm is receiving a frosty reception from some on the right. And we will be celebrating Valentine's Day, or at least diving into how Donald Trump celebrated Valentine's Day. You're not going to want to miss it. So we'll see you on the other side. Understand these people, man. Like I, we were watching really fast. We're watching. We just finished the the new Griselda series oh. about the uh, the drug dealer, and like, like she made money in large part by killing people, but she's a criminal. He is working with a guy and making money from someone who just kills people. Like, but he's a good guy because he's wearing nice clothes and he's on TV and he's talking to Axios or whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't see the difference really. They butcher people who get in their way. That's what they do. Okay. Maybe there will be a, a mini series about Jared Kushner someday. Uh, I would assume it would be damning. Fab Four says, does John have a Joe Biden impression? His Trump one is spot on. Biden might come in handy. I don't. I've never really yeah. tried that. And I'm not gonna try it for the first time live on air, but I'll consider working on it. I'm a damn lib says bunker boy endorsed endorsed Roy Moore, a pedophile from Alabama, 100% Trump supported him. Uh, Punch up says, uh, let's see. It seems like it was only a year ago TYT was taking its first sip of Natty Light. Now they're doing keg stands and getting ready to experiment with hard drugs. It's been a great year. Well, with how politics has been trending, we need to. Thank you for being with us since the beginning. Okay, let's see. Uh, Mr. Dean says, congratulations, TYT, for 22 years. Thank you. If you're just joining us now, by the way, there is going to be a special retrospective on 22 years of TYT coming up in place of the bonus episode a little bit later on today. Um, okay, just Dine sent in a super chat. There's no message, just the super chat, but thank you. I appreciate it.